Now, <clears throat> I would like to introduce Peter M. My name is Peter, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, grateful to be alive and sober. I'm part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, again, thank the group and all the trusted servants uh, for doing all you do to get this thing off the ground and um, allowing us to have a meeting. Uh, God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I say recovered because I am, and anything less than that would be falsely humble. Uh, God took me from a scrap heap uh, June 23rd, 1988, and placed me here tonight. And the last uh, 25 years has been um, in the trenches of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's not something I designed, it's the way God has laid out uh, the plan for me. And my job is to be awake enough and be clear enough so I can hear, and be clear enough so I can see. And hopefully the words I speak are his and not mine. Uh, that didn't happen by just coming to AA meetings, that's where the journey begins in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. But my meetings don't treat my alcoholism. It's one part of a three-sided triangle. And uh, something happens along the way. Uh, I've always been hungry for this information, always sought something in the bottom of a bottle. And uh, it was short-lived, and I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm met by the camaraderie, the fellowship, the sacred fellowship. And uh, that will run dry after a while, when it's the same old meetings, the same old folks, and I'm graced. Uh, and then something happens in our fellowship where teachers appear but the ground needs to be fertile. And the gift of desperation that I was given, and it really is a gift of desperation, either out there or in here, uh, I start to hear and see speakers in meetings of AA. And I love what they offered. Um, I was always attracted to the men in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, who were employers. Uh, I liked the men in Alcoholics Anonymous who walk with some class and dignity. I was attracted to simple things, men who would dress at the podium, and if they were married, had a wedding ring and wore a watch. This was a new, new thing for me. And they had a shirt and tie on, and uh, they walked softly and carried a big book. And uh, they were passionate about m their message, they were passionate about Alcoholics Anonymous, and they were passionate about God, and they didn't hide the truth. And they were in the business of saving people, which meant they, were, they, they ruffled feathers from time to time. And where I am now, I'd rather be accused of the truth and deal with the consequences than be accused of a lie and have to deal with the consequences. So uh, my job is to share truth as to what God gives me. And what God gives me, what I offer you, uh, is a narrow, very, very narrow road. You know? The 12 steps are about the squeezing that goes on going through the archway. We're going to be talking about entering the world of the spirit tonight. That doesn't mean I get free room and board. There are some conditions that I have to meet in order to walk this path and pass through a narrow gate. The other gate, which is really wide, we talked about this last week, anyone can walk through. It's instant gratification. It's fun. It's, it's joyful. And then the bottom falls out, and you wonder how I got here. Many of us go out and drink tonight, God forbid. We'll have some fun for a little while, and tomorrow morning we're full of guilt and remorse, and why did I do it again? And while we're doing that, we're making fun and scoffing at people walking through a narrow gate saying, what a bunch of deadheads, they're boring, uh, they're all about God. 
And yet the next morning, what joy is happening and free, and those of us who are still suffering from untreated alcoholism wondering what went wrong. What I found out this very narrow road is actually once we pass through the archway is a wide road, and we get to experience the abundance that God is giving us. So I'm very grateful for this message. Uh, last week we talked about uh, uh, step nine, and as we're cleaning up amends, as my book says, we enter the world of the spirit. And some of us have amends that are easy to make. I've had a bunch of them. You go make amends, and they say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Forget it. Someone say, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Let's forget about it. Sometimes you just pay the money back, and they're just glad to see you go, right? Uh, and then some of them are, are, are challenging, emotionally challenging, like the ones uh, uh, usually with family members. My most difficult one on an emotional level was with my dad and I was able to do that uh, with the guidance of a sponsor and not just go out of the starting gate and go make amends to people who still might smart from our injustice to them. So God's timing is perfect. My timing is always wrong and we, we seek out uh, 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 guidance from a sponsor. Not all of them go smooth. Uh, I had I, just two quick stories. I had one amends to make to this gentleman uh, who was a longshoreman, and uh, uh, I had borrowed money off of him on a drunk and never paid him back, and years had passed. And I was uh, visiting a lawyer one time for something, and as I was coming out, it was a Friday morning, coming out of the lawyer's office, pouring raining out, and it was OTBs, uh, the off-track betting offices in, in Brooklyn, and uh, this guy was standing there waiting for it to open, and I knew it was the guy he owed money to. Now, here's what the mind says. It was five years ago, 10 years ago. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. It was only 20 bucks anyway, Pete. What's the big deal? And the spirit says, no, go see this guy. And you can't deny the spirit. When God's going to move us, we're going to get moved. And sometimes we'll leave claw marks in where we want to be, but God's going to move us anyway. So I had a choice at that moment, in a sense. Was I going to listen to the spirit that's pushing me or listen to the mind that's taking me back to a drink? Now, the majority of some folks would have said, oh, it's in the past, let it die. What are you worried about? But my God is very current and keeps the slate clean. So I can live as God wants me to be, or I can live as others demand I do. And I sell myself all the time when I do things like that, and I become a puppet on a string for the majority. So I really had to go see this guy. And I went up to him, and I, I, uh, he knew who I was right away, and I gave him a little bit more than I had borrowed. And uh, I didn't even get a chance to say anything you need to tell me. He told me. And he compared me to my dad who had this impeccable reputation and he gave me the I don't know what's wrong with you kids today speech. <laughs> and he went up one side, me down the other, and I took, I took it. I stood there tall, head up, shoulders squared, and um, I thanked him for his time and, and I left. And that was a real, it kind of upset my morning. I kept thinking, why do I have to go see this guy? But it was clean. It was reconciled. If he walked in a room now, my head is still up and my shoulders are still squared. I don't have to go, oh, no. Uh, there was a, a, a woman that I had known many years ago. Funny story. Um, she was on my list, and I couldn't locate her. And I'm praying for willingness. I'm praying for willingness. And uh, I'm, how am I going to locate this, this woman? And I'm going through phone books and things. And I'm inquiring. And I come up with her number. And I make a call. And uh, she knew me right away. And I says, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I need to clean up some damage with you from the past. And uh, she didn't sound too good over the phone. Make a long story short. What can I do to make this right? She says, well, I need money. Can you give me money? 
I said, well, yeah, how much are we talking about? And uh, she asked for like 50 bucks or something. And I knew that didn't sound kosher. That's something wrong. I said, well, where are you? And I will meet you. Now, I had just finished doing a talk in uh, Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And she, I was living in Staten Island, drove to Sunset Park, Brooklyn for this talk. And she was living in a place called Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Now, Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, has a nice part. And then you got the hood. The nice part is where people walk their dogs and buy bagels on Sunday morning. The hood is where they're dealing crack and everything else. That's where she lived. So I found my way through it and I drove up and uh, before I get out of the car, his father, show me what to say, show me what to do, um, uh, your will not mine be done. And I got out of the car and this woman was standing there with a pit bull. And I'm thinking like, what did I do to her? Was it that bad? And I made my approach, and she was just interested in the money. And I said, anything I can do to make this right, anything you need to tell me. And she was banged up. Uh, she looked like someone who was smoking a whole lot of crack. And I remember this young lady from many, many years ago who was pristine, was a model. And I saw how crack cocaine ravaged this woman's life and where she was living. And it broke my heart. And so I offered her delicately, I'll never forget this, a place to go to, treatment and cocaine anonymous, alcoholics anonymous, narcotics anonymous, some anonymous. And she didn't listen, and I got back in my car and I made prayer, and I drove away. And here's where it got funny. As I'm driving away, uh, you know how the cops patrol the projects, right? They kind of zip in and out of there. The cops pull out of the projects and follow me. So I didn't think much about it. You know, I said, must be just going for pizza or something. And uh, I come up to a red light, and I stop, and I go through the light, make a left, they make a left. I come to the next light, make a right, they make a right. And then the lights went on, and they pulled me over. And um, they asked me what I was doing in the projects. And I said, well, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and... Um, I just came here to make the wrong right that I you know, did in the past. They told me to get out of the car. And uh, yeah. So they wanted to see my driver's license, and they said, hold it. You live in Staten Island, you're in uh, 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 Sheepshead Bay, and you're telling me you were just in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And they just ripped me apart. Policemen can be not so friendly sometimes. And they just, they just it looked like a scene from Cops, you know, that show Cops. And now a crowd gathered around. <laughs> and this little sergeant who was about four feet tall, had a Napoleon complex, thought he was General Patton, and he's just, just ripped me apart. He's going through my car, and, and I'm trying to tell them, listen, I've helped a lot of guys on the job. I'm sober a while now. And there's a few meetings I make right over here. I'm sober. I'm only here to clean up some wreckage. And uh, while the sergeant's ransacking my car, this other cop, who's about six foot 12, who was with him, said to me, come over here. He says, is this that a men's thing you guys do? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I says, yeah. He says, just be still. Let him do what he's got to do. Don't worry about it. Right before that, the, the, the wagon, the unmarked uh, vans turn the car, and they're speaking to each other on those little microphones. And I'm thinking, I'm going to jail tonight. I know I'm getting, I'm getting popped for something I didn't do. And the only thing I think of was, what's my dad going to think when he gets the call from the precinct? That's all I cared about that moment. P.S., they let me go, and I drove away. And I, I was going to fire my sponsor the next day for let me go do that thing. But. Uh, <laughs> So it was one of the, I laugh about it now, and it is kind of funny, but at the time I was sweating bullets.
And I thought if this is one of the many any lengths we have to go through. When it was done, I realized, I don't know what's going to happen to that woman, but God took me into a really sordid spot in Brooklyn. And I was able to plant the seed and make something right. Now, it was good for me, but I think that amends was really done for that young lady. Maybe she found the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe she has some hope that particular day. I don't know. But the same way my God will allow me to meet my accusers, even when I'm falsely accused, will allow me to go into the trenches like that and come out untouched. I went in pristine and came out pristine and a better man for it and a better sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it gives me more to offer another person in AA when they talk to me about amends and such. So my, I was committed. I'm committed to this deal. I'm committed to my God. And I will pick up my cross and go, no matter where it is, in order to live free here to pass this message on. That's what this is about. It's easy to, and I, I tell you from my own experience, it's easy to go to home group where everyone knows you. It's easy to go to a meeting. It's easy to sit down and watch a speaker that's entertaining and listen to what they have to offer and get excited for about an hour. But it really counts for me. It's even neat to pray the most important event of my life. But it really counts when, when I get up from my meeting, when I get up from my knees and go out there after prayer, after a meeting, what am I doing while I'm in the trenches? Because I can talk about God with my lips and I can pray all day long. What am I like when I get up and go? Because prayer then becomes absolutely useless to some degree if I'm not surrendering to God's will and say, you give me the power to carry out the vision that you have for me and others. Let me be an instrument for you. Because if it isn't, all I'm doing is exercising words to God. I'm petitioning God for what I think I need. And I'm coming to AA for a band-aid on an open wound. And that's all good for some at some point when we're new. Then we get to another place where we need to be all in. Am I willing to surrender to this power called God and let this power take me where he has to take me? And there's no conditions on that, no reservations on that. And whether I'm going into a hood, a detox, a prison, or sitting down after hours with a drunk and it feels like an inconvenience, am I willing to do that? Those are some of the any lengths we have to sign up for. If I'm going to enter the world, if I think I'm going to enter the world of the spirit by hanging around Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm very delusional. Because the minority of our fellowship has entered the world of the spirit, and that's just a fact. It's a sacred fellowship, what we have here. I need you just as much as you need me. AA doesn't need me. I need AA. That walk can be lonely at times. You will feel alone at times because the majority are not drink, going to meetings, hanging around, looking for a date, just getting quick fixes at a, at a meeting, and then they go home and do their regular deal again. That's why people say our relapse rate is so high in Alcoholics Anonymous. Our relapse rate is a our, our recovery rate is 100% in Alcoholics Anonymous for the folks who surrender to this book, which allows them to surrender to God and walk that path. 100% recovery rate. It's when we start rewriting the book and telling God what we think we need when we start getting drunk again or acting like drunks without drinking us, huh? It has allowed me to get free of all the demons I came into Alcoholics Anonymous with. And you're looking at someone who's incredibly broken. <clears throat> I never have a dysfunctional family. That's a cop-out. Dysfunctional or not, I'm the drunk sitting in AA. If I have a dysfunctional family, am I going to complain about it in AA? Or get, well, get my spiritualings go back and try to touch their lives to get them right. It's easy to say, oh, I come from a dysfunctional family. I have triggers and enablers. Okay, we're in AA. 
I'm in AA. Can I get this, wake and go, get awake and go back and fix them? Plant the seed of wellness. Huh? That's what we do here. Many of us would spend hours upon hours with the drunk, but mom and dad is completely twisted up. Oh, I can't deal with my parents. Why not? God has given us a tremendous amount of power in AA to go do stuff like that, and that's what we do. So as we clean up, as I clean up step nine, my book says we've entered the world of the spirit. Experientially, can we talk about what it's like living in the world of the spirit? We go from a place of knowing the first nine proposals to a place called the unknown that can only be experienced the world of the spirit. So those of us who have been around a while, can experientially, can I talk about what it's like living in this other dimension? A dimension that my mind cannot grasp. My ego gets frustrated by it. Can we talk about that? Can I talk to you about experientially what it's like living like that? There are great promises in step 10. Step 10 has a page and a half of information, of incredible information about what it's like living in the world of the spirit. There are conditions there also. Taking my inventory to spot check throughout the day. Making amends quickly, turning to God, and being of service to other people. Step 10 tells me, I continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So my book just told me I'm probably going to screw up from time to time, but I fix it. When we look at step 10, it's really four through nine every single day. Inventory discussion with someone else. I look at my defects in six and seven, and if my defects keep showing up and I say that's old behavior and I'm still doing it, it isn't old behavior, it's very current. And if I keep, if I, when I would tell my sponsor, this old thing keeps coming back, I thought it was gone. He says, it never left. That's why you still got it. There's more work to be done. It's more cleansing. It's more purification. And I'm only going to get that from God. Back to worship. Back to surrender. Back to more inventory and clean up more amends. It's, I can't. I cannot. My experience, I can't enter the world of the spirit. If I have a truckload of amends that I could be making and I'm not, I'm still in charge, which means I have a step one problem. I'm the power. And I use God as a 12 and 12 says as a pinch hitter. When I'm in a jam, I go pray. When Powerball comes out, come on, God. When I want a date, come on, God, let her like me. But entering the world of the spirit means I've had a shift, an internal shift in consciousness, a complete shift, a 180, which means my life is dedicated to this power. And at the beginning, this power is, very, is not very tangible. It's something that we have in our mind, what we've been taught, what other people have talked, uh, talked to us about, visions we might have or what it looks like, this being, this power, whatever it is. But I will tell you, and anyone would, who's on this path will back me up, you, we will have our own personal experience with a personal God. And for me, it was the same God I grew up with, the carpenter, but a completely new set of conceptions and perceptions about it. All love, no opposite. I thought it wasn't like that growing up. I went home. The 12 steps take us home. We go back new and cleansed, as broken as we are. The 12 steps take us home. To what the Oxfords talked about, uh, uh, purity, honesty, unselfishness, and love. We get to walk with that. It becomes who we be from the inside manifesting out there. I don't have to remember to be pure. I don't have to remember to be honest, etc. It's who we be. It's what I do. And when we make mistakes, step 10 says, let's go fix it. 
God knows we're going to make mistakes. We're going to run a little self-will every once in a while. I'm going to get a little jealous, a little envious. I'm getting a little upset. I'm going to weep for no reason. God says, it's okay. I got you back. I'm going to catch you. Do you want me to rescue you? And all I have to do is say, I surrender. Rescued. Here's my experience, like with forgiveness. I would go to God and please forgive me for the wrongs I've done. It's an act of humility. It's what we do. As children, we go to the Father. God was never upset. God does the be in a forgiving business. Yeah, he forg yeah, you're forgiving. Never got angry with me. How could this power be angry? How could this power get upset? How could this power have expectations? It's all love and no opposite, but I go and ask for forgiveness anyway, as I ought to. And if I'm doing things like that, and I'm following the guidelines here, I will be open to new information outside of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I have found has enhanced the whole experience. I've studied Eastern philosophy. I'm back to my, from my, to my religious community, and I work with all of that stuff. And people would say, how could you study Buddhism? How could you study Hinduism? How could you study these other things? You're a Catholic. I said, who do you think brought it to me? My God, because at some point it was all going to meet, I'm back in my Catholic church, and the whole experience has been enhanced, more awake. I'm clearer so I can hear. I'm not blind so I can see. And hopefully these talks over the weeks have not been me, for the most part, showing up. Because God knows who has to be hit tonight. And it may be something I say in passing, or it might be a whole hour talk. I don't know. I don't want to know. It's none of my business. My life is none of my business. And once I got out of, it's my business, my life is my business. Once I got out of that, I got better. And that happened about six months in Alcoholics Anonymous, where I realized I'm still running the show, and I'm thirsty again, and I'm acting out every which way possible. This is not working. How much longer is this God going to give me grace? And I retreated. And what I retreated from, what I thought was retreating from life, no, it's retreating from me back to, the, back to God. We go home. The more removal, the freer we get. The process of recovery is about subtraction, never addition. We don't need anything. God gave me everything I need to walk the path that he set in front of us, in front of me. And what I've done over the years is accumulate stuff. Accumulate relationships, belief systems, money, property, prestige. I need stuff. I need stuff. I need stuff. I need stuff to feel good about me. It's all delusional. It's the boy whistling in the dark. And once I get something, oh my God, if it leaves. Oh my God, if I lose it. And I try to gather up more stuff to fix that fear that I have, and I'm in more fear. Fear begets fear. God erases it. So we can sit in a meeting of AA and have some contempt pride investigation. That's fine. We all do at some point. But I had to ask myself a question, and this came through pain and misery. Based on what I've been doing, how's that been working for me so far? Not good. So maybe I should try what you're doing. Maybe you should try what you're doing. Because you seem to be doing okay. And I'm going home and I'm tossing and turning on the pillow every night. Remorse and guilt, etc. In step 10, continue, watch, next, vigorously, commence. They use words that imply action. Because I've entered the world of the spirit, I don't get free room and board. My illness would love for me to coast right now. I don't know if it was last week or I talked about it this weekend that the word maintenance has gotten butchered in AA in this 10 step. You will have a school that says, well, you maintain your sobriety. 
Who's maintaining my sobriety? Me? It's not being maintained. It's getting messy. I'm drifting. It's getting old. It's like a lake that's gone stagnant. It's not fresh running water. We are aqueducts. God to me and out to you. God to me and out to you. Channels that's got to be clean. It's the caring of the soul, getting my soul food by cleaning up amends and doing inventory. We have some folks in AA that don't write out a 10-step. We have some folks who do. I'll just share my experience from, from my first sponsor. We're going through today. If I have something that's going on with me, a fear, uh, a resentment. I'm not there to judge. Well, it's a big resentment, a little resentment, a little fear, big fear. I make prayer. Everything goes to God first. The first move is Father. And if I still got some residue, if I still got some stuff with that I'm not looking at yet, it goes to paper. And then I will call someone to discuss it. Sometimes I do all three. Sometimes just one out of three. Then it tells me go be of service to others. Get out of my own way. Whatever it might be. But the first move is always to God before I speak to another drunk. Father, I'm in trouble. I'm feeling this right now. What do I do with this? Am I supposed to learn from this? But I'm surrendering to you. Maybe you gave me this. What do I do with it? That's the first move. And that's the mustard seed of willingness that will move a mountain. Does everything go through God? Or just when it's convenient? We say the Lord's Prayer at the end of a meeting. Have we paid attention to the words in the Lord's Prayer? Huh? Part of my growing and understanding effectiveness as our step 10 talks about is can I forgive you as quickly as I want to be forgiven by you? See, if I screw up and I come to you for forgiveness, I want, boom, done, you're good. But sometimes when people harm me and they come to me for forgiveness, how often... <laughs> it's a train full of big books, don't worry about it. <laughs> How often can I forgive others? I want God to forgive me instantly. Imagine if God forgave me at the same rate I forgive others. Boy, am I in a lot of trouble. Well, they got to come see me first before I go to them. My step 1011 allows me to be a builder of bridges. Be a builder of bridges. I've done it many times in AA. I know you threw me under a bus. I know you've gossiped about me. I know you don't like me. But we're in the same house. So I will offer the olive branch, or what I like to say, I will build a bridge. I will make my approach to you. Anything we need to talk about, are you okay? Now you can do what you want with that, but the bridge has been built, and that's what we do in here. That's God's work. That's not easy work. The ego doesn't want any of that. The pride doesn't want to discuss that. But if there's any humility in me, I will do that. I'm compelled to do that. And we get freer. If we're free here tonight, do we want to get freer? Like the, the effect produced by God, do I want more of God? I always wanted more drink. Why not more God? Huh? My book tells me we've entered the world of the spirit. My next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. What am, my sponsor would always take statements, flip them into questions. What am I doing currently to grow in understanding and effectiveness? Don't drink and go to meetings? That ain't going to work. Even a good meeting. Okay, that's great. Now what? 
What am I doing to grow an understanding and effectiveness? And this was the catalyst that set me on a course to discover. I go to non-denominational churches. I go to uh, 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 lectures and, and, and groups on Buddhism and, and Zen and all of it. I'm searching. I'm gobbling up books. I'm searching. The search, in the search is where I start to get well. It was not like I'm going to search and when I get there, I'm going to be, I'll be Moses. But it was in the, 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 the plowing of the field that we actually wake up. Same thing with the steps. We have 12 steps. But somewhere in there, when the hands are getting blistered and the knees are getting scraped, we have these moments, these epiphanies where we've changed. Then we arrive at another place. And what do we do? Go back to the work, but we're taking others with us. In the searching is where I experience God. It isn't when I, when I get there, look out. It's the guy or the woman who's in step four and they're banging out their columns and they're talking to their sponsor and they're looking and they're searching. They're getting well. Because you go speak to them, you say, oh my God, I remember how you were when you first got here. But if I'm going to hang around Alcoholics Anonymous, look for quick fixes, that's the wide road. I'm going to get sick. The illness is patient. I'll lay around five years, ten years to get you. If I don't continually turn this over, this, my life over to God, the illness will take it right back. It'll be without mercy, huh? Any relapse in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it blows my mind. Because I'm in a treatment center because I see it all day long. And I'm, I, I did the same thing. We come into AA crawling in here. And then after 30 days we say, I know what I need to do. What? That's why it's a narrow road. Many won't make it. Many will die. Some may be in this room. I hope no one, but that's the rea reality of addiction and alcoholism. Right? So I've been given this new life. I've been reborn and resurrected here. Our book says recreate our life. That can happen continually. I've been given this gift. God says, I had you out there. I bring you here to Shangri-La. What am I going to do with this gift, this precious gift? Who makes the best generals? The generals have seen, the soldiers have seen the most battle. What great messengers, agents, we can be effective ones for God. It says, my next function is going on staying in effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for my lifetime. Continue for my lifetime. Not 90 days and then I'm cured. Right? I have to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Here's what I work with for years now. Turn, watch, aware, observe. Turn, watch, aware, observe, like a mantra. Turn in in order to go out. Turn into the Father in order to go out. If I don't turn in, I will go without. Everything goes to God. I turn in. Joyful, sad, turn in. Going to work, turn in. Marion teases me all the time. Okay, God, let's go. Okay, God, what suit do I? Okay, God, where am I? Okay, God. Okay, God, let's go. I'm really tired. Okay, God, get me to work. It's who I be now. I can't imagine living life another way. Watch, aware, and observe. Those words are interchangeable. How am I doing? Watch, aware, and observe. Am I listening or am I speaking? What should I be doing? How am I doing? Am I listening to my mind and being moved by spirit? Am I listening to the words you say? Am I listening to the silence between the sentences? Or am I so geared up, i got to talk because you have to know I'm profound. How am I doing? Consciousness without thought. I don't need to think. I just need to be. You ever see monks? You say good morning to them. They just smile and bow. They don't say, hey, what's going on? How's everything? I just got my coin the other night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
By the way, Stevie B informed me, Cheeses is from Brooklyn and he's Italian. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a joke. Relax. It's a joke. How am I doing? Watch, aware, and observe. Right? Me, before I take your inventory, how am I doing throughout the day? And we start to become aware, I just spoke harshly to Joe. I just spoke harshly to Mary. I just snubbed someone, how am I doing? I need to fix that up. It keeps the slate clean. Now my experience with this one through nine into 10, 11, and 12 look like this. And if you do this and your joy is happy and free, I'm not here to change you. I'm asked to share my experience. I did one through nine, 10, 11, and 12, and I was there for about 10 years. And it was good. And then something happened. I flatlined. I needed a new experience. I need to lay aside old ideas, even ideas I accumulated in AA for new experience. I needed soul food. And I found this new sponsor, Mark H., who completely changed my life around. I, he's gone home to God. I adore him. My greatest teacher ever. And he said something to me one day. He says, did you eat today? And I says, yeah. He says, why did you eat today? Didn't you eat yesterday? I said, Mark, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Where are we going with this? Right? <laughs> he was making a point. I eat every day. We have to eat every day. We have to hydrate ourselves every day. We only go so far before we get really sick and die. What am I doing for my soul food? So I had a neat experience for about 10 years. It was wonderful. But it became almost mechanical. And we can worship the mechanics rather than the spirit. We can worship the methodology rather than the power who gave us this gift. It's like going into a restaurant, looking at the menu, studying the menu for an hour and a half and walking out and not ordering and going home hungry. And the very things that uh, bring me to God could be the same things that push me away from God. I needed a new experience, but I didn't know it. And Mark showed up, and I asked him to sponsor me because my prior sponsor was getting sick. He stopped practicing these principles. And I learned firsthand what could happen to a man with almost 30 years sober who stops practicing these principles, how quick the illness came back. And I lost my trust with this man. We're friends again today. We speak occasionally. And I wish him well because he was good for me at the beginning. But I needed something more. And I began this journey with Mark. And he said, we're going to go through the work again. And I was wide open. Because what he had, I wanted. He was a man of God. And his grand sponsor, in his sponsor, I was in love with Don P. My lineage goes right back to Dr. Bob. And I realized the value of these men that God put, my kid from Brooklyn, and God put Mark H., Don P., Joe H., Gary B., and Paul Martin in my life. Dr. Bob was gone. That's the lineage. That's what they were passing on. And Paul Martin was one of the first or the first to rework the steps. And it came by his pain, which he told me a lot of the stories and the early members don't talk about. After about five years, they were just doing the steps once. They were starting to get uncomfortable again. They were getting restless here with discontent. They were getting fearful. And he had some guys coming to his house that he was sponsoring to hear their fifth step. And he had this, this, this intuitive thought to write some inventory and share it with his sponsees. And he did just that. And he learned about some more things about himself. He got some feedback, did six, seven, eight, nine, and got rocketed again. He says, there's something to this. I'm experiencing more of God than I did on the way in. And that caught on like wildfire. That's what I needed after about 10 years. So I love what Mike does, moving guys through the work, taking more guys through it, do it again. 
do it again. Love the effect produced by booze. I love the effect produced by God, huh? And so we began this work and something happened to me. I realized how many attachments I had acquired in Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know, when things become status quo, I get deaf, dumb, and blind to them. I got attached to my nice house with the white picket fence. That's who I be. My job making good money, that's who I be. My nice new Maxima outside, that's who I be. And I found it's none of who I be. You are spirit. I need to touch that again. And we had to go through all of this work. And I was tossed upside down for a little while, made incredibly uncomfortable, came out on the other end freer, able to pass through the eye of a needle this time. That wasn't my plan. Right through. Lighter and freer. And so every year, at least once a year, I go through 1 through 9 to 10, 11, and 12. And I've done it a few times throughout the year. And then my grand sponsor was going through the work the fourth time in one year. My, my grand sponsor says to me, the experience you had, go talk about it. Don't become attached to the mechanics. Go talk about it. Go shout it from the rooftops. And so at least once a year, now I go through the work. My amends, the first time going through the work as to where it is now, looks completely different. The first time I had over 200 eye eyeball to eyeball amends, and they were horrific things I did. This time, I get two or three on my list, and it's about I forgot to show up. I missed an appointment. It's like that, and I thought I was missing something, and I'm not. We're getting better. It's about entering the world of the spirit. It tells me... Um, Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When they crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. I discuss them with someone immediately. I have an immediately group. I have my sponsor and two other men. Everything turns out to be a triangle. Even the meditation posture is a triangle. Head, knees. Sponsor and two men that I'm accountable to. Sponsor and two men for my immediately's. I have my sponsor. He's the go-to guy. If I can't reach my sponsor, I have these two other guys. And we give each other spiritual consent. I have it immediately. I can't shake this one. Can I share this inventory with you? Go. Well, Pete, it looks like this. Here's some direction. Okay, move. Move, move. It's not about hanging around. Move. Okay. I discuss them with someone immediately and make amends if I've harmed anyone. Uh, not next month. Make amends now. Go look for that person, fix it. Because if I don't, guess what? Guess who's getting drunk? Guess who's going to be blocked from the sunlight of the spirit? If I'm all in, I'll go make amends. Love and tolerance of others is our code. I turn my thoughts to someone we can help. I remember working, um, I had a couple of years I was working in uh, corporate America. This was a complete debacle. And uh, I thought as per was a grammatical error. I didn't know what that meant. I mean, and uh, I'm working with this gentleman. I never went to college. And um, this one gentleman went to some fancy university in Pennsylvania, and he was training me how to be an HR guy. And every morning he reminded me that he went to, like, University of Pennsylvania, and I went to the University of 86th Street in Brooklyn. Right? <laughs> and uh, he was very condescending and very intimidating. He used big words, and I was under it. And I was hating him, and I was plotting how I'd get him in a parking lot and show him how we handle things back home, right? And uh, <clears throat> take a degree, you know. Um, and uh, I was un uncomfortable. 
And I finally fessed up to my sponsor, and my sponsor read me to write about delaying with this. And I shared, made some prayer, did some inventory, shared it with my sponsor, and I went back to this guy. And I shared with him how I've had ill feelings because I've been insecure and intimidated by his success, and I, I still feel like I'm, I'm a failure and I'm rough around the edges. And is there anything I can do to help? We used to go out recruiting to all Ivy League schools to get them to the company. And he met that like with open arms. We're never going to go bowling or break bread. But at the time, he said, sure, I'll show you. It's OK. And he even admitted some of his own faults. Sometimes I go off at the mouth. I'm real sorry about it. And from here, it went to, we can work together. The next morning in work, it wasn't like, oh, there he is. I went to work free because I took these principles and I built the bridge. And that was difficult to go to this guy and put that on a table. Pride and ego says, don't do this. We don't do this. Spirit says, go. My God went to the cross. I can go to somebody else and fix it. It says, here's a 10-step promise. This will split some of our AA. We cease fighting anything or anyone, dash, oh, even alcohol. Came in fighting booze all the time. This is it's almost an afterthought. So I asked myself, well, who am I fighting? Who am I arguing with? Who am I wrestling with in my head? And why am I worshiping God? And am I thinking about drinking? Am I still in a place of obsession? Do I get, still get the drink thoughts and drink signals? Chances are something wrong with my spiritual condition. No crime, but we can fix it. It says I've ceased fighting anything or anyone. That's a promise. I cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Booze is there. I am here. Um, my sponsor did a, a workshop with this gentleman from uh, Baltimore a bunch of years ago. Saturday morning, they walk into the room. Uh, uh, my sponsor wasn't aware of what this guy was doing, but what he had in the center room on a table was Southern Comfort in a glass for a big book workshop. Very radical. People walked in. Some people went, wow, I wonder what this is about. It's interesting. Let's find out. Other people went, oh my God, this is disgraceful, and walked out. I feel like drinking. What's the difference between the two? And he made his point. Spiritually fit? Well, that's weird. All right, let's see what happens. Maybe, maybe it's an experiment. Let's check it out. The other folks, oh, my God, I'm going to drink over this and how to leave the workshop. Spiritual condition, that's what it is. Step 10 says, I'm placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I've done a cabillion 12-step calls. Dumped powder, syringes, booze, got rid of it, pills, and came, went in and came out okay. Not once did I, my mind say, that looks nice. I need a meeting now. I'm there to be of service. That's what the 10-step promises talk about. It says, by this time, we cease finding anyone even alcohol for, by this time, sanity will have returned. Back in step two, we're going for sanity, wholeness of mind, truth, God. Step 10 says, it's been delivered. If I've done the first nine proposals as suggested under the guidance of a sponsor, I've gotten free I'm no longer powerless. God's removed the problem and replaced his power in every one of us. How do you think we do what we do in here? How does God, how do we go from the most selfish, self-centered, self-seeking people to ones who serve without looking for applause or money? How do we go from most, how do I go from the most selfish, self-seeking individual for doing things on an altruistic plane? It's God, it's who, the way God planned it. 
I'm seldom, seldom interested in liquor. If tempted, I recoil from it as from a hot flame. Further on it says, this is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither am I avoiding temptation. I've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I haven't even sworn the stuff off. Instead, here it is. The problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. This is recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It took some work, plowing the field, God will do the growing, doctor does the surgery, God does the healing, we hit our knees, we serve, we serve God, we do the work, we plow the field, bang, we land on the other end free. All right, free. Walk free, men and women. As God planned it, now there's a pay, there's some work. I don't go home and say, well, I'm a free alcoholic. Put on Monday Night Football, I don't need A anymore. No, we're compelled, we're moved. Now I gotta go back and get somebody. Mike's got a whole row of guys over there. In the trenches. Stevie B, the same thing. Ryan, Freddie, bunch of guys here. They're in the trenches. They're awake. What do they do? Go back in. Go back in, pull out another one. Pull out another one. And the freer we get, that's what God has, huh? Thank God guys like that were there when I got here in June of 88. And then say, well, my belly's full, I'm going home. Their bellies were full and they gave me their meal. Hmm? It's easy to let, let up on a spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels, my accomplishments of yesterday. I'm headed for trouble if I do alcohol as a subtle foe. I had to look up the word subtle and foe. Subtle, sly, clever, devious, difficult to detect, and the foe is my personal enemy. My illness will lay in the bushes and wait. My illness will talk to me. You don't need to call a sponsor. You don't need to do this. You can do that. How am I doing? Turn, watch, aware, and observe. I'm not cured. What I have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Am I taking care of this? Every day, here's a prayer. Every day is a day I must carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. Father, show me how to carry the vision of your will into all my activities. Which means my will's out of the way, huh? How can I best serve you? Your will, not mine, be done. Then it tells me these thoughts must go with me constantly throughout my day. Turn, watch, wear, and observe. Turn, watch, wear, and observe. Not expecting anything. Because when I want stuff, I receive nothing in the end. And the humble man wants nothing and gets all of God's mercy, all of God's abundance. As God made me. These thoughts must go with me constantly. I can exercise willpower along this line. All I wish is the proper use of the will. I've learned the difference between proper use of the will and managing my own life. We're going to blend into step 11 next week when it talks about that. God's will, my will. Simply put, I know what God's will is and I know what mine is. Mine is painful, stressful, uncomfortable. I have to remember what I said. It's uneasy. God's will is free. Right? I know what God's will is not. Right? That's all I got. Peace. Do you have a nice way of closing?